Welcome to episode 3 of St. Agnes Quick Talks. To support this podcast, consider making a free will donation by visiting churchofstagnes.org. Our next speaker is Dr. Michael Naughton, who is the holder of the Koch and Dow Chair in Catholic Studies at the University of St. Thomas. Dr. Naughton has also been involved in the book, The Vocation of the Business Leader, and he is the author of the recent Getting Work Right. Today he's going to talk to us about the Sabbath in a time of crisis. This is Michael Naughton. I'm the director of the Center for Catholic Studies at the University of St. Thomas. And I'm a proud parent of a St. Agnes graduate. I was asked to take a few minutes to speak about the Lord's Day, especially in light of this crisis situation that we all find ourselves in over the coronavirus. We are in a crisis. This is not our first crisis, nor will it be our last one. But it's actually good for us to be mindful about what we mean by a crisis. Uh, The word itself comes from a Greek word, which is actually where we get the word to decide, a decision. And in many respects, this is what human life is. It's about a series of crises, a series of decisions, one after the other. And of course, the way we respond to those crises, to those decisions, develop us into the people who we are. But a crisis is often about a point, a turning point, a crisis point. And either we, uh, often it's often referred to in relationship to a disease. A crisis point in disease is whether it moves to recovery or to death. And for all of us, the question for us is, how do we respond in a crisis? Are we growing in our responsibilities, or is the worst coming out of us? Are we being purified and walking more closely with Christ, with his grace, or are we simply merely thinking and acting only in relationship to our own comforts or or self-interest? This is not an easy uh, set of questions to answer, and in many respects, it's helpful at this point to turn to how other people have responded to other types of crises. Uh, At St. Thomas, in our Catholic Studies program, I teach a course on church and culture. And one of the first books that we read in that course is by Joseph Pieper, called Leisure, the Basis of Culture. I have a lot of business students in my class, and for the most part, they don't particularly like the book when they first read it. And actually, they have good cause. Uh, Joseph Pieper wrote Leisure, the Basis of Culture, in Germany in 1948, right after World War II. And to be quite frank, it appeared to be one more book from one more academic whose isolation in the university's proverbial ivory tower simply failed to understand the world he was living in. If you think about it for a moment, in 1948, Germany was decimated by the Allies. Uh, And what was needed was not leisure, right, as the basis of culture. What seemed to be needed was work. Uh, a lot of work, a rebuilding. And Pieper actually anticipated such objections. And it's on the first page of the book, he says this, he says, to rebuild our house at this time implies that not only that we need to secure survival, we need to put in order again our whole lives, our whole moral and intellectual lives. And before we can start working, he says, and this is which is the interesting point about the book, He says we have to deal with the question of leisure, 
Because again, if you think about what was happening, particularly in Germany before that time, Pieper was well aware of the Nazi slogan over the gate of Auschwitz that said, Arbeit mark frei, work sets you free. And Pieper understood quite clearly that work never sets us free. And what it did in Germany was it simply enslaved them to an ideology. But this is true for any ideology, whether it's German Nazism, Soviet communism, or to be quite frank today, what we might even call American pragmatism. We certainly do need work, and our society right now is suffering from so many people who are unemployed. But what makes us free, as Pieper wanted to get to, was not work, but leisure, and not just any kind of leisure, but a leisure that brings forth an attitude of the mind, a condition of the soul, that fosters this capacity that we can receive the world rather than merely construct it. And so Pieper was mindful that in order for us to grow in our crises, and Germany was in a crisis, he was in the crisis, we have to look at this idea of leisure as a kind of contemplative outlook that we receive the world, a world that is created, that is also sinful, and it's also in need of redemption. What's interesting in this course that I teach, when I do um, Pieper's book, Leisure the Basis of Culture, my business students actually eventually start to see what he's trying to get at, and they actually begin to begin to understand why so many of them are dissatisfied with their own leisure, a leisure full of screen time, of social media, video games, ESPN, reality shows, Netflix, whatever it might be. And they sense that they need something more. And so as we face this crisis, we need to face often the way we look at leisure. And this can be a certain time of this crisis, can be a time of renewal. My wife, Teresa, and I have often found that this understanding of leisure, particularly as the Lord's Day, Sunday, is to be a very important place for that renewal. This renewal is, in a sense, re helping us to re-understand and reclaim uh, the Lord's Day. And this is a great time for all of us to rethink and reclaim what this is. And so if there's a thesis to this little talk that I'm giving right now, it's this. If we don't get Sunday right, we're not going to get Monday and the rest of the week right. If we don't get leisure right, we won't get our work right. If we don't get the receiving right, we won't get the giving right. And here, Pope Benedict has this wonderful way of putting it. He speaks about this idea of the primacy of acceptance. And he says that we come to the most profoundest moment of our, of our lives, not through what we do, but through what we accept, not through what we achieve, but what we receive. And so the crisis that we find ourselves in, if we are to grow in Christ, demands a renewal, a renewal and a deepening of our leisure, and especially of Sunday. And so one of the key, there's two key questions I'd like to begin to end this short reflection on. It's this, what, how do we enter Sunday? Right, this is, I think, a very important question. Uh, the Jewish theologian Abraham Heschel um, once described the Jewish Sabbath as entering a cathedral of time. 
As Catholics, we know that when we enter the great cathedrals of the Church, we enter them in silence, that we're entering into something much larger than ourselves in God's presence. And in many respects, what we need to do is we enter into this time, this day that we call Sunday. We need to enter it in silence, enter it in a sense it's a different kind of day. Because sometimes we can often enter into Sunday as if it's just another day. Yes, we might give it an hour of an obligation of Mass. We then sometimes say, well, the rest of it's my day. Some of us fall into the idea that it's the mop-up day. But that's walking into Sunday with too small of minds. And so we have to kind of come to it with a different kind of way. So how do we enter into Sunday? And the second question then is, how do we live out this day? What does it do for us? In many respects, all of us, uh, particularly as Catholics, have been knocked out of our ordinary. Uh, and this is what partly makes it a crisis. We haven't been able to go to Mass. And praise God, we'll be able to do that soon. It is certainly not the way to be living. But this kind of crisis that has knocked us out of the ordinary can help us to renew and see a new way, maybe, of how we live out this day. And so the even though as tragic and as difficult it has, has been not to be able to go to Mass on Sunday, we can actually now turn our homes into what we often call in the early church a domus ecclesiae, a house church. But nonetheless, we still need to be thinking, how do we, what do we do on Sunday? What type of activities should we be thinking about? And one thing we should always be thinking about on Sunday is you need to prepare for it. Uh, because to be quite frank, a lot of times that we, a lot of things that we do on Saturday, we should probably do on Sunday. And what we do on Sunday, we should do on Saturday. So how we structure, particularly Saturday, but even things before that, will give us the op- the conditions maybe to live Sunday right. One of the big key things that we need to do is is to not do something. And what we need to not do is simply be addicted or be fixated on our screens. And sometimes we should think about Sunday as a technology fast. Uh, put the screens away, or at least put it away um, in a significant way where it's not just dominating the day. But maybe one key thing about Sundays when we enter into it is to ritualize it to start the day with a Lord's Prayer. And by the way, there's lots of different prayers out there for the Lord's Day. And as one says that prayer, to light a candle on the table, and maybe even to dress the table in a different kind of way with a particular tablecloth or a runner that makes that day look different. And in lighting that candle is to take some time for silence. Um, I met Mother Teresa twice in my life, and she has this wonderful, when when you meet with her, she has this wonderful way of saying, uh, she gives you a business card, her business card. She has a nice, she always had a nice w- way of joking around with that. And and what says, what's on that business card is something very simple. And she says, the fruit of silence is prayer. And it goes on, it says, the fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is service, and the fruit of service is peace. But she starts that little business card with the idea of silence. And we need to enter into 
this cathedral of time, this day, this Lord's day, in silence, and in that silence will come prayer, and in that prayer will come great faith and love and the ability to serve and to be at peace about what we're doing in that day. And praise God, we'll get back to Mass, and we'll be able to spend um, uh, Mass together, and that will be a great uh, joy, and that we'll have the living bread of life uh, be given to us to be received. And that, of course, is at the heart, uh, as the Vatican II speaks about, it's the source and summit of our lives, and it is the central part of the Lord's Day. But we have to be careful it's not the only part. And we have to think about the Lord's Day not as one hour, but as a whole day. And which is why after often, for many of us, when we, when we go to Mass, we come home and we feast. We have brunch. We dine. And this is where we can learn a lot from the Italians. Um, we should take our time. Not just feeding ourselves, but really dining. Let it be an hour, two hours. Have a long conversation. And then after that, we should play games, particularly for those who have kids, right? Get out and play a football game or play Catan or Catholic trivia or whatever it might be and have games and have fun. The Lord's Day is a day for fun. It is not a day of kind of uh, dourness. Um, it's a day to get out in nature, get out for a walk, get out of the house. And by the way, it's also a day to be mindful of those who are on the margins, um, those who are lonely. Remember, Jesus always got in trouble with the Pharisees when he was healing on the Sabbath, and we're called to do that. So as we, we're facing a crisis, um, and let's hope this crisis will subside, uh, there will be relief, uh, but let's not waste it. And also in this crisis, we have to realize that we have fears, and all of us have fears. Uh, a lot of us repress them and we don't really be honest with them. But the fears are real. In this crisis, this is the fear of lost health, of life. The fear of losing our work, our income, our lifestyles. And for some, maybe even their homes. And we don't want to ever neglect those fears. But these are fears that we have to meet with confidence. And we meet them with the Lord. And that's the only way that they can be redeemed. And this is why I'd like to end with a quote from, I think, one of the most important documents on the, on the Lord's Day by John Paul II. It's called Deis Domine, the Lord's Day. And he says this, he says, do not be afraid to give your time to Christ. Many of us, uh, many of you know this acronym called FOMO, the fear of missing out. And this is why too many of us watch way too many TV shows or football games or basketball games. But as a colleague of mine, John Boyler, once said, we should not have FOMO, but we should have JOMO, the joy of missing out, the joy of let the TV shows and the football games and the basketball games be let, and we'll have the joy of missing out because we have a greater joy, and that greater joy is Christ. Because time, as John Paul says, given to Christ is never time lost, but it is always time gained. And so let us renew this day, and God bless you in all that you are doing, and may you be safe and may great growth and great grace come through this very difficult time that we're facing. God bless. Thank you.